Hello and welcome to Bee Stories, series two of the Unaware podcast by Bee Physiology, where we sit down with some of our favorite people, clients, and role models, people that have really opened up our awareness by sharing their stories, their journeys. We are two EPs who work with people living with a disability every day, uh, helping them to achieve happier and healthier lives. We are coming to these discussions as professionals and as friends wanting to learn more about the people that we work with. So sit back and enjoy this episode of Bee Stories as we talk to Callan, the partner of our colleague Kristen, as he relives a crazy story abroad. Well, Callan, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we know you have an amazing story and we've been waiting for this uh, opportunity to sit down with you and actually hear it uh, for ourselves. But first and foremost, our first question is, uh, what would be the name of your autobiography? Uh, so, Kristen told me about this question, your lovely therapy assistant, my girlfriend, uh, <laughs> a little while ago. I had a bit of nice thought plot. about it. <laughs> I had a I had a bit of thought about it over the intervening weeks, and I, I mean, it seems presumptuous to name a, to come up with the title of an autobiography, but I thought something like Little Choices, because for me, uh, you know, Little Choices were the pebble that set off the landslide, so to speak. So, um, right. yeah, I'd probably say Little Choices would be. Wow. Okay, I'm looking forward to... Yeah, I was going to say, I'm really interested to hear how that plays out in the context of everything that we're about to speak about. Sure, I'll, yeah. make sure, I'll try and make sure I, I pick up on all the, uh, <laughs> the threads that kind of led to it. We'll bring it, I mean, as much as we can, we'll bring it back in as sure. well. Little choices. Very cool. All right, so tell us a little bit about yourself um, and, you know, the time leading up to this uh, incident. Sure. So uh, now I'm uh, studying at university. I'm studying environmental management. I'm actually in my last two weeks of my degree. Oh, yeah. So fantastic. I'm busily writing a thesis when I'm not doing podcasts Dude, on the thank week. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm working at the moment at the the state government doing some water markets type stuff, mm -hmm. which is good. And is that where they sell water? Yeah, more or less. Uh, it's. I don't think we want to get into water markets too deeply. <laughs> Basically, buy and sell water, and you know, trade it for agriculture and stuff like that. Fixing that right. Kind of stuff. So okay. Not particularly uh, exciting and probably off topic for this, but uh, so. Oh. Anything's on. Anything's on. We'll topic. get you on our water podcast as well. Yeah. I look forward to the water water edition of the podcast. <laughs> Try this. <laughs> wow. Funnily enough, I can. <laughs> so um, yeah, in the. The kind of lead up, uh, Kristen and I had been traveling Central and South America for quite a while. So Kristen and I met um, only a couple of months or maybe eight or nine months before uh, we left for South America. Um, we actually only started dating a couple of months and I said, oh, I'm, I'm flying to Mexico and I'm going for however long. And Kristen said, oh, yeah, I might come along. And I said, oh, that sounds great. So we spent close to it wasn't a boys trip originally or anything like that no no it was a solo trip that was okay. thoroughly improved by Chris. Oh, so you ruined a solo trip <laughs> <laughs> i was meant to find myself out there and i said i found myself in a loving relationship it was just so disappointing the yeah. first pebble <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah no uh so um you know and we spent uh well, nearly a year by bus, boat, train, bicycle, basically any mode of transport you can imagine, making our way from Mexico through Central America, Guatemala, um, down to South America. Uh, you know, and along the way, we were doing the most incredible 
experiences uh, imaginable. Spent a lot of time hiking in the Andes. We watched live volcanoes erupt. We, you know, saw green lakes and blue lakes and all those sorts of things. So we're having a a pretty phenomenal time, uh, I would say. Yeah, right. So obviously everything was going off without a hitch. That's what you're trying to get to, you know. And and actually South South America, um, I would love to go. I'm just generally terrified of South America. I don't know whether it's, you know, but if you guys can steer me into... Oh, I even after the things that I'm about to tell you, I would recommend it so highly. It's just a wonderful place with beautiful people, beautiful culture and landscapes, the likes of which you've never seen before. You know, it's astonishingly beautiful. All right. Right, so at, the t- at this time you've been in South America for how long? Uh, so... I would say it's probably about eight or nine months that, maybe even longer, maybe 10 or 11 months that I had been there and nine months that Kristen had been there. So she came over and joined me uh, a bit after. But the first pebble that started the landslide would probably have been Kristen leaving. So uh, as sometimes happened when you're on 10 or 11 months uh, holidays, money starts to run short and Kristen uh, decided that she was going to uh, go back to Australia uh, via visiting her sister in Europe and I was going to uh, continue travelling because basically for me the whole the holy grail of the trip had been to get to Patagonia and do some hiking in Patagonia and that had been something that I had been looking forward to for years and years and years. Uh, so Kristen, we were in Bolivia at the time and Kristen decided to leave uh, which was awful but uh, understandable and so I, being the kind of um, stubborn young man, invincible young man, I thought, I'll carry on without her, you know, I'll, it'll be all right, it'll be hard, but we'll be fine. And, uh, the, I mean, the first, it's funny, there was uh, probably a sequence of things that happened that were probably little warning signs that maybe you should just call the trip Callan. <laughs> the first one was that uh, just before Kristen left, I got bitten on my ankle by a Bolivian tick. And from, we were in the Amazon and I... I had a, I got a tick on my ankle somehow and then we went straight from the Amazon to the salt flats, which are about minus 15 degrees and I didn't take my socks off for about four days. Oh. So I didn't realise that I had some sort of, I would say, paralysis tick on my ankle because by the time that Kristen had left, I realised that my right foot... I was walking down the street and I remember, <laughs> I remember hearing the slap of my foot yeah. and I was going, well, why is it doing that? That's strange. And... Uh, <laughs> I googled, what do I do? Foot slap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> foot slap. <laughs> tick. Yeah. Tick and Didn't foot slap. What does this tick. mean? <laughs> I was like, okay. And for whatever reason, I decided I'll, I'll take doxycycline because that's what you do to get rid of Lyme disease. And I was like, that'll be fine. And this will okay. wear off. And, you know, uh, the next thing was that I had just been out and bought a bunch of camping gear because I was going to, you know, do all the hiking in Patagonia by myself. Um, on established trails and everything, but I wanted to have all my own tent and cooking gear and, you know, uh, minus 15 degrees sleeping bag and stuff like that. And to do a trial run, I was in Bolivia in the capital in La Paz and I went to do something called a Tekisi Trek. And it's uh, probably just an overnight trip with, you can probably do it in one day even, if the bus drops you off at the right spot and you go down the right road, which I did not, and it <laughs> did not. So I 
took a wrong turn at the very beginning of the trek and it took me half a day to figure it out. And by the time I got back onto the road and started ascending, so it was a, you got hike over a pass, a snowstorm, a blizzard had set in. Of course it did. And I was carrying, <laughs> you know, all of my gear and extra gear as well because the, I didn't leave anything at the hostel, which was foolish. So I probably looked like a Sherpa trying to summit Mount Everest, to be honest. <laughs> Luckily, there was a, um, a hut at the, um, the overpass over the other side. But uh, when I was getting there, I actually, uh, I think I just overtired my knees and I blew out both my knees. So, I mean, I would say I possibly did a meniscus in my right knee because I couldn't bend it. But you guys can probably tell me better for about a month after. Not on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, I basically, I made both my knees very sore. And, yeah. you know, for, <laughs> for weeks I was going down um, stairs with straight legs, more or less. Oh, God. And because of this, I thought, you know what I need? Is the tick still I was going to say, yeah, where's the foot the, the, at the, the stage? The, the, the tick kind of was just like a, I think, a part of the reason why I was descending very poorly in the mountain. So my ankle was still the, the, slapping and I wasn't really very agile. And I actually remember my right leg, which had the tick and the, um, the knee where the I knee. actually properly blew out was just I wasn't striking the ground very well. Right. And I remember the twist and a crack in my knee and that, that was just so the whole leg was kind of a bit out of action mm. all of which contributed to my um saying you know what i need i need a holiday and <laughs> on my 11 month holiday i need a holiday <laughs> it's time for me to really put my feet up so i thought oh what will i do i went online and as you probably know when you're traveling there's lots of people who want your free labor uh there's all these woofer type you know arrangements i can't remember what one i went on but it was Basically, this uh, guy who ran a hostel in the uh, probably mid-coast of Chile. And I messaged him and said, do you want someone to come and help you run your hostel? And, you know, he was building a house at the time. And I thought, um, he said yes, you know, and uh, away I went. So, I thought that was kind of the next. So, I made my way down through Chile, through the Atacama to go stay with this guy. And he was probably about... Um, four or five hours uh, south of Santiago, the capital. Okay. And yeah, and that's... And so this is the scene where the actual accident eventually happened. Right. So, blown out knees, tick, tick. still not organised, if I can use that word, and <laughs> you're on your way to what will become probably the biggest thing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so those are probably the two... In the wonderful landscape of South America. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which we recommend. at all yeah. times. <laughs> so did you find the tick like um, at any point or I did you find it in your blood no, later? I, fa- I found it. I f- no, I found it. Right. Um, when the, we got to a, a time, we're on this. We're in the salt flats before Kristen had left, mm. and um, I remember it was hot. It was finally hot. It had been minus fifteen. It was the coldest I'd ever been. Jesus. And then during the day, we we kind of left the salt flats, went to Swat, and it was hot. And I took my shoes off because I had f- three layers of socks yeah. on. And I thought it was so fat it had dropped off. And you right. know, people don't want the details of tick bites, but it, <laughs> and I thought. It's well, done its, it's done. It's fine. It's, <laughs> you know, but it's also probably come from the Amazon. So it's not loving the minus 15 degrees either. So Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, then wow. it was you know, maybe a, a few days before I actually noticed the ankle um, thing. I, I probably, you know, I was wearing hiking boots all the time. So maybe yep. I just didn't really pay attention. I was walking down the road in thongs for, in La Paz. And that was when I noticed the uh, actual slapping. The yeah. That, yeah okay. To be honest, that, that 
receded from my mind uh, once I had the bad knees um, because it, I couldn't straighten my le- I couldn't uh, bend my legs anymore. So the hierarchy. On a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The hierarchy of problems <laughs> changed. Cool. Okay, so you yeah. head down to Chile, yeah. and you're now working as in the hostel, or you're yeah, working I mean, on this was, guy's when house. I say a hostel, it was kind of like it was a, it was a hostel, but people weren't really coming. It was more like an Airbnb that could be a hostel. So at, there were times there when you know someone would come and hire at the Airbnb, and we'd have to clean the place and leave and go camping for the weekend or something like that. So I was there for a couple of weeks before the actual accident happened. Mm. We were also this guy who I stayed with was amazing. He's a friend still to this day. Oh wow! He's a French guy who'd you know basically ridden a motorbike around the world and washed up in Chile, built this, built the house that he was in. It was overlooking the ocean with these beautiful pines and it was a wooden home and he had these two amazing uh, Marema dogs, Pasha and Palomino. It was wow. really fun. I Were was you having... going to say wives for a second? <laughs> I was like, is that a Bolivian thing? <laughs> yeah, no, he, he's, uh, he was a very free wheel. No. <laughs> no, so yeah, he was a lovely guy and we, awesome. I was having a great time. It's amazing when you meet people like that overseas. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He was, that's right. And South America... You know, it's there's obviously the Gringo Trail, but there's still some really interesting and unique places to visit um, yeah. heading along there. So let's move into the nuts and bolts. Mm. What happens next? So I was helping uh, know who was uh, the guy I was staying with um, build a house, more or less. So we're a friend of his, because he'd built his own house, his friend said, could you build me a house? Another one on a hill overlooking the ocean. Magic spot. And, you know, I, I'd worked on job sites before when I was going through uni the first time and I said, you know, I know which end of a hammer ha- hits the nail so I can I can help out because that was basically all we needed, you know, I could use a drop saw and... Whacking things, yeah. You know, and so we are working on this job site and the I know had a couple of other people like myself come to stay and one of those guys... Uh, so to get from Arno's place to this job site was only two or three kilometres and... Probably um, very common, not the done thing in Australia, but sometimes if there's too many people in the, the front of the ute, you get in the, the, uh, the tray of the car. Um, and I, on this day, I, you know, the front of the ute was full and so I hopped in the tray of the car. As we were going to leave, it was about five-ish in the afternoon and there was a, a dirt road kind of on almost a shoulder. So the, on the, both sides, it dropped off into a drain and I guess when you get into a car with someone who's driving, you tend to make the assumption that they are going to act responsibly. And yep. Uh, yep. immediately the car started going faster than someone should have on a dirt track. I don't, I'll be honest, I've never asked the question about why or what was the uh, impetus for driving like that, probably doing. 60 plus kilometers an hour I I don't know Um, and coming over a hill a crest and then I remember there was a feeling I I knew in my pit of my stomach oh we've lost control because the car started fishtailing and what actually happened was the car swung 180 degrees and with me in the tray and slammed into an embankment Um, I was in the tray with a 100 kilo generator um, which and several large uh, planks of wood uh, quite thick planks of wood so as you can imagine things get mixed up a little bit in the tray of you i was incredibly lucky not to be spat out i stayed in the tray of the ute but the the ute almost embedded itself in the uh the earthen embankment jesus Mm. yeah shit so so you've stayed in the back of the ute yeah uh do you remember 
impact? Do you remember explicitly. everything? Yeah, explicitly. I didn't lose consciousness at all. I um, immediately, you know, as is the case with these kind of things, there's a lot of adrenaline. I tried to get up. Um, what I didn't realize was that the 100 kilo generator had actually flown into the air and when it had come down, it had landed on my ankle and the force of that had attempted to basically shear my ankle off. Uh, so if you want to see a really, really grim photo, I can show you later, but uh, it's fairly uh, gruesome. Oh, we're going to have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're, we're going to have to. Yeah. Oh, oh, I don't want to see it. But share it to your socials, share it to your... <laughs> <laughs> if I have to go through it, everybody else on our Patreon. So, yeah, so uh, obviously standing that wasn't really an option. Um, and... This so is were you pinned under it or no, it had no, kind of I smash and smashed then and continued off. to be mixed up, and also immediately I, I felt quite sore in my back. I was very winded, as you are when any impact happens. And um, is you know, there a few? Sorry to cut you off. Is there a few seconds between like the impact oh, and 100%. then then you this moment of you realizing like oh shit I'm in a bit of trouble. Yeah, and that's that's what you tend to relive. It's mm. you know those three seconds last in my mind for an eternity, mm. you, and you. I'm incredibly present in that moment still and it's just it's just such a profound like I thought I remember thinking oh this is going to be really bad and you know I imagine that people in car accidents have that thought a lot so a motor vehicle accident as we know is a pretty common way to get injured or you know even yeah. die and yeah. those kind of thoughts you have a lot of time to think in that split second really really confronting so time slowed down yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Time slowed down um, and just my whole body kind of, yeah, it just kind of, it, a lot of things subside. There was no life flashing before my eyes or anything like that. It was just my mind running down a million different alleyways of going, you're fucked. Oh, sorry. I don't no, know. If I, yeah, yeah. You're, saying, yep. <laughs> you're, in a, you're in a bad place. You already yeah. said God doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> so. Right. All right. We've got an atheist we'll now. Believe right? We'll believe it all. We'll believe it all. Uh, yeah, so basically, uh, you know, I was very aware in that moment that this was bad. Mm. I remember being a bit relieved when it was over and I thought, I'm still here. This is okay. Mm. And then I looked at my ankle and I thought, oh, well, that's bad. Um, Are you the only person that's copped like the yeah, brunt of so this? So the people in, the, in the, the cabin of the ute were fine. Absolutely fine. You know, one of them had hit their head a little bit, but not even any blood sort of thing. So right. it was purely being as exposed as I was that, you know, led to me having quite a serious right. injury. Yeah. So give us a little bit of rundown of when you're kind of realizing the extent of your injuries and what happens next after people kind of, they're getting out of the car, they're yeah, checking on you. Yeah, sure. So um, someone, uh, a lovely, lovely Chilean guy, um, Apparently, I'd met him before, and you know, but a lot was happening. Had run over from a field. He so there was kind of a few farms, like quite hobby farms, strawberry type thing around. Mm. Um, and he'd run over to help, and he put his jacket on me because I was shaking a bit. Because I tried to get up, and he's no, no, no. He's hold, he's keeping me down, saying no, no, no. Um, you know, you can't get up. We've called an ambulance, um, and we've called Arno, who wasn't there at the time. Uh, it was myself and a couple of other people who were volunteering at the place. And I know basically ran from his place to there. Um, and I, I, you know, pa the pain starts to set in as well. Uh, because initially you go, I don't know if you've ever had a, a quite bad injury. At a, it takes a moment for, the, for you to realise that you're injured. Your body's 
so much is going on that you'd say no. You know, mm. just focus on the, the 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 whole whole situation before yep. you focus on that yes. little th- that yeah. little thing. The pupils are still wide. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. yeah. And then you know, after probably ten or fifteen minutes, the pain really probably yeah probably that long. It oh, was wow. surprisingly long, yeah. and this time passed quite quickly. Right. Because I don't know that I was fully present for you know what was going on. Um, and the body blacks that stuff out. Yeah, thank you, mind, body. I should say, yeah, yeah. mind and body. Uh, yeah. I'm very grateful for that because yeah. you know, yeah. So what happened then was Arno arrived and he kind of took control of the situation because he's a you know fairly uh, he's a great character. He's you know he but he took it all in hand. He said, "You're alive. We're going to get you to a hospital. We're going to get it sorted." An ambulance arrived and. For reasons, I'll be honest, I don't really remember. The waiter that arrived was, rather than driving along the road, which had somehow become not an option, it drove through one of the fields across the freshly tilled field, which meant that once that I got into the ambulance, with my foot hanging off, uh, that was what I also had to go through. Oh. Um, and they also, they insisted on strapping me down. And although I didn't realise at the time, I also had a bit of a back injury, mm. um, which we'll go into in a bit. Mm. Um, and... Being strapped down to this uh, table was excruciating. Uh, sorry, to the stretcher that goes in the back of the ambulance was excruciating. And I, w- I was fighting to the point that Arno, who came in with me, said, let him up. you got to let him up. He's obviously... I, I can't take it. And Arno propped me up, which, you know, I'm very grateful for because the ambulance ride took about four hours because we had to do a tour of hospitals. They have some kind of system... Again, this is and this is primarily happening in Spanish as well. And my Spanish was conversational, but it wasn't hospital Spanish. It wasn't right. you know go and have a a chat about fractures and you know you know sutures and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it was yeah. how are you going? Oh, that's a funny joke. Oh, thank you for chatting to me, my friend. You know, hola <laughs> amigos. You know, it wasn't it's kind of useless in this. Yeah, situation. yeah, it wasn't, yeah. wasn't wasn't. Why don't we have both? Yeah, soft Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I get it. So yeah, I, I mean, you know, we'd managed to travel for a year and comfortably, you know, I could have my my greatest pride was that I could tell a couple of jokes in Spanish, but I couldn't ask a person, "Am I going to live?" Yeah, you know, like, "Am I?" You know, so obviously, that was another confronting aspect of the accident. No pain relief at this time as well. So like um, during this hospital, so the first uh, sorry, thing the I ambulance got ride was a sleeping pill, and that was after the first hospital, and I don't know why. They, I think I, they gave me some Panadol and a sleeping pill, and I said. Uh, do you have morphine? Because, you know, I think it's just morphina. And I was like, I can figure that one out. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> I was like, I, I need a whistle. You have the green whistle, you know, uh, as we have in Australia. Mm. So they took me to the first hospital. And uh, I remember this is a really particularly earthquake-prone region. So the mm. hospital floor, they wheeled me out of the ambulance on the stretcher basically to have me go in there and have someone say, nope, too big a job for us. Send him on to the next one. And Truly. I think that happened once more before I got to my final hospital wow. um, so this had happened kind of around five in the evening the sun was setting I can't remember what time of day it was exactly but it was overall about four hours before I actually got to the hospital where they could operate um, so the first hospital they were wheeling me over this earthquake rubbly floor to be perfectly honest the earth, an earthquake had hit there several years ago and the floor had I remember jagged bumps in it and I remember asking the guy who was wheeling the gurney and I said you know, how is it? You're just looking for reassurance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, oh. something along the lines of not good and made a motion of his 
uh, hand going across his throat almost. Oh, and what? like, you know, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. You know. Out. Was, do you reckon he was like, kind of just like messing with you? No, no. He, I think he wasn't a medical dude at all. I think he was, you know, an orderly who was just like, I've looked at your ankle and it's bad. Let me tell you. He was like, yeah, he's like, just give me an honest appraisal. Don't look good in down there. You know? uh, no, you got to love honesty. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in a foreign country, we don't know <laughs> yeah. what's going on. I think, I think my, really my, my kind of question was, do you think I'll keep the ankle? And his impression was, it's just awful down there. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. yeah, so, but oh, great. Not confronting. So anyway, somewhere there, I think, you know, that had been about an hour, hour and a half. Somewhere around there, I started to get better drugs, I think. Mm. Uh, so they started to give me some kind of pain relief. Um, Have you realized that your back is injured yet at this point? Because like, obviously I'm your ankle sure. is the focus. I'm pretty sure, but nothing's been done about it. It's the ankle that's the focus because as you'll see in the photo, it's shifted a few centimeters to the side of where it needs to be. I don't think I'm going to have a look at this one. <laughs> uh, skin broken? Or? Yeah, skin broken. And I can show you some uh, scars. Before, oh, but yeah. Broken by brute force, you know, not a, a clean uh, yeah, cut. Right. It's, you know, kind of a tear more. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and okay. so they, they, they take me to the final hospital eventually, so yep. we cut that short. And you get some actual pain relief. Yep, and I remember going into surgery um, mm. and they're operating on my ankle, uh, so no one's even looked at my back yet because I haven't really had time to tell them, you know, I've got a bit of back pain. And I actually, because lots of things were dislocated in my ankle, something, for whatever reason, the pain relief didn't really take hold and I distinctly remember telling them, I can feel what you're doing. You're trying to pull my uh, the forefoot of my uh, foot apart and pull my ankle out. And then I remember an image of a needle descending into, like, into my shoulder and then I don't remember anything else. Right. Whoa. My God. I mean, at least you got the pain relief yeah, that you no, were looking for. Yeah, no, from then on, it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Just waiting for that needle yeah, to come That was around midnight and I think... The accident had started when I went to sundown, so I was in a right. and I was in a hallway for a while as well. So, did you know, like obviously pre-injury, um, what, did you have the idea in your head that because you were in a foreign country, that the level of care would be that discrepant? Like, did you under have any understanding of what that system was like, or was this all oh, sort of happening? I would say as it no, but I do remember having the thought that I was glad that it happened in Chile, which is a slightly uh, wealthier. Um, more economically advanced country than Bolivia, where I vaguely remember thinking they would probably just roll me off the side of the, the hill if I was in Bolivia because, you know... No one's coming. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you know about Toby Price, the Australian Dakar uh, racer. He's won a few Dakars. He had an accident in Bolivia where he broke his femur and, I mean, he had years of surgeries after it. Wow. But I do remember at the time thinking... Or at least this has happened in Chile. And the hospital that they took me to was uh, not that I got a good impression at midnight with a, you know, under drugs, but it, what did turn out to be quite a good hospital. Good. Yeah. Good. So now you've, you know, you've been put to sleep, you've gone into surgery, you've woken up. What was the extent of the, the damage? Uh, so fractured, several fractured bones in my ankle and a dislocated ankle as well. Mm. Um, which that while I'd been asleep in surgery, they had put uh, external fixation in, so three bolts into one into the forefoot, one into the, the actual uh, ankle bone, uh, the calcaneus, I think it is, yep. and then one higher into my actual um, shin bone, or yeah, yeah, and so that they had those basically spaced out, holding my foot together, and they'd done a reduction, I think it's called, to um, try and reduce the swelling in my ankle. Right. Okay. 
Arno still with you? Is it Arno? Sorry, Arno. Yeah. yeah. So Arno uh, waited. Yeah, he was there. He slept in the hospital overnight. I woke up the next day and promptly vomited because I had had a, a lot of um, morphine. Drugs, and, uh, yeah. yeah. And then you know they came in. And they're like, oh, you know, look, you know, we've operated on your ankle. It's not so bad. Um, you know, you'll be okay. And that was a kind of it was kind of holding the stasis like that for a few days. You know, obviously I messaged Kristen, who was it somewhere in. Sweden, uh, Netherlands, or Denmark at the time. Who Must be nice, eh? Yeah. <laughs> what a text. Yeah. yeah. I know, oh, I know. Well, actually, I think I know. I I told I know. That's right. I'd sorry. I told I know who my family was, and I said, go onto my Facebook, let them know that I've had an accident. I'm okay. Don't stress. I'll contact them tomorrow. Yeah. This is this is you know in the minutes after the accident, I was having those lucid minutes. Or, wow. Sorry, not the minutes. Probably like. By the time I know I'd arrived there, I was saying, you're going to need to let people know, but I want you to be sure that it, you let them know it's not too bad. I know speaks Chilean, English and French, but his uh, spoken English is very good. His written uh, English is not as good. Mm. So I get the impression the message is a lot more alarming than I'd intended <laughs> it to be. Um, Imminent death. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Callan have big accident. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm with him, you know. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so More but, questions. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, no good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, anyway, uh, a couple of days have gone by and I've just said to them, I can't even lay flat. My back is in a lot of pain. I need you to do a scan. And they'd been sending the physio in and saying, you need to get up and start walking. It's time for you to walk. And I, I said, I can't even lay down, let alone mm. walk. Mm. So around 2 a.m., they because uh, that was the time that they ran the, um, the actual uh, CAT scan machine because the energy was the cheapest and the, um, the temperature of the room was the coldest or something like that. Mm. They piled me into this CAT scan and... As I said, I, I couldn't lay flat comfortably, so I had to uh, lay flat for 45 minutes because it took an unbelievable amount of time without moving a muscle, which was the most excruciating pain I've ever felt in my life, mm. even more than the accident. Laying flat and knowing I can't move, it was a very, very uh, claustrophobic experience. Yeah. But the upshot of that was that when I got out, rather than making me climb across as they did when I got in, they put a sheet under me and dragged me across because they'd realised I'd fractured my T11, T12 and L1 vertebra. <sighs> At which point they started taking my back pain a little bit more seriously. Right. Okay. Um, so they sent in the doctors from neurosurgery mm. and they, they basically said, oh, look, you need to have an operation um, and, you know, we need to put a metal in to fixate your spine so what was the the i guess the rehabilitation process after you've got you know the ankle has been uh performed on and now the back that has been diagnosed what's the process especially in another country yeah um so they had they don't when i say a physio it wasn't a physio they had another uh word for a kinesiologist i think it was that was their kind of their their guy in chile Rather than send a physio or, or an EP and they mm-hmm. were sending in a kinesiologist who kind of performed the functions of a physio. I'm not really certain of what the distinction was. Um, but, you know, there was, I would say, not a lot of process because what happened at the same time was that the entire public sector went on strike and not a lot of people were working, oh, basically. So the enti- and I, I'm not just talking about just about doctors and nurses. It was also, you know, garbage men and the judiciary. Everyone, everyone was in the streets doing the Macarena, the protest. And... 
The thing was, <laughs> I supported what they were processing for. They had awful pay, awful conditions, and they needed more. Yep. But it also meant that rather than getting the surgery straight away, I had to wait 35 days. Oh. And you spent that 35 days in hospital? With a broken back, unable to leave my bed. And just to go back to that broken back very quickly, like, did they, obviously, they've, they've had a look at it. They've seen that there's fractures. Um was there any sort of like immediate fear of how like significant the fracture was in reference to your spinal cord? Were they like, yeah. oh shit, you need to stay dead still now? Or yeah, like was it was. sort of... So that, that was basically... The loose translation was there's the danger of um, bone going into your spinal column and yep. potentially giving you a spinal cord injury. Yep. Yeah, if we can... Because we spoke about this on the first series of our podcast um, and this like you are such a good example of someone who is able to... Break their back. A broken back does not necessarily mean a spinal cord injury. And Absolutely. That, yeah. I was actually, ironically enough, well, not ironically, because I was talking about our podcast today, yesterday with my girlfriend, and I was explaining to her the same thing, that that is the small difference between, and when I say small, I mean like... It can be it massively ju- life-changing. Yeah, mm-hmm. massively sure. life-changing, yeah, it but is. it could be millimetres in terms of the difference millimeters. between a broken back and a spinal cord injury. And yep. that some part of you obviously has to feel extremely... Absolutely. And yep. I, I fell out, you know, on, on the lucky side of that. You know, I, I didn't have that severe injury. The reason they decided they wanted to stabilise my spine with the fixation was because they thought it was close enough that they didn't want to allow me to twist and cause that to happen. Yes. So that, that was the, the reasoning behind that. Yeah. It's, there's so many things that can go wrong in that situation. Like so many things. Mm. Um, you know, after you talk to some of the people that we work with, it's like crushing in, um, injuries, lacerations, just every little thing, bone fragments into the spinal cord every little thing that you're like oh god that can happen Mm. in this particular way it can happen absolutely and it's you know for a young guy who spent the the last year summiting the mountains of the andes and Mm. making my way through the the jungles of the amazon it's kind of a it's a shocking realization that you know you're not invincible and that there's there's no there's nothing about me that meant that i was you know more likely to have not that or, you know, to not have that happen. It's chance. And, you know, it's just pure chance. And I came out on one side and a lot of people don't. And, you know, I have a recognition now of my own, you know, mortality a a lot more because of that. And, you know, my risk uh, evaluation process when I undertake any kind of action is a lot more stringent now than it it used to be. Yes, I can imagine you in the hospital bed being like, I need a holiday. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I better better find somewhere to rest up. (laughs) But you're 34, 35 days, did you say? Yeah, so 35 days before the spinal surgery. Mm. Look, a lot of stuff happened in the intervening time. I'll just brush over it. I, Kristen was visiting me one day and there was an earthquake and it wasn't just a little earthquake. It was a 6.5 or 6.6. And I didn't realize this, but this, this hospital has actually brand new because the last hospital had been knocked down by an earthquake. Um, so confronting, but it was built with those pistons that kind of compensate for it. I didn't realize that. So the building was slight swaying back and forwards and bumping up and down. And initially, the nurse was saying, it's okay, tranquilo, be calm, be calm, because it's not, um, it's not bad. And then it got bad and things started falling off the walls and she started cr- crying. Obviously, she had some stress associated with that. Mm. So, Chris, I'm, I've got a broken back still. I can't leave the bed. Mm. Um, Kristen's like, do I push his bed to the, the doorway? You know, mm. we're on the sixth or seventh floor. Yep. Luckily, it passed and everything was fine, but it was, oh it was quite God. frightening. Also, my ambulance driver had 
two days later, had his own car accident and broken his back and then insisted on being sent to my hospital um, room because he re- remembered me. So we were in, in the, the sharing a room with us and he was the most talkative man I've ever met in my life all day talking to me, talking to me and then all night singing songs uh, in a grandma voice for his live streams for hours on end. Live streams and la campaign, <laughs> <laughs> and you know I'm deranged by this point. To be honest, I wasn't sleeping because I was in a lot of pain. I could, yeah. you know, I, I had to lay on my back all day and all night, and I can't sleep on my back. So I was getting three or four hours sleep a night. Four a.m. The nurse would come in and say, "Time for your sponge bath," which was me just slapping a wet sponge on myself because I'd just given up. You know. Yeah. Right. What finally happened was the oh. protest was still going on for this whole time, even when I got my surgery. But I became quite good friends with some of the nurses and they eventually said, we think we can get you in, but you have to act your way into your surgery like you're in a lot of pain and it's really urgent. So if any of the union members see you, they'll let you go through Mm. and, uh, you know, you kind of just have to really make sure that they... Because the union members have been bursting in and stopping what they thought were non-urgent surgeries, so non-life-threatening. Gotcha. Right. So, you know... so essentially, the staff, the friends that you've uh, made, are trying to navigate that system. Oh my yeah. god! And it's not even a system; it's like a protest. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's totally upside down, you know. So, but luckily, it gave me great um, acting fodder for me to be like, I am in a lot of pain. I am uh, losing yeah, my yeah. mind, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, and this yeah. is me in Spanish. It's like a telenovela. Tengo mucho dolor en mi espalda. Necesito ayudar, por favor. Really, really like hamming it up for the cameras. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so they finally <laughs> operated. They put the fixation on my spine. And then the next, either, either that afternoon or the very next, I think it was that afternoon, they said, time for you to get up and walk. And mm. I haven't walked for 35 days or 36, depending on when it was. So as you can imagine, my body's atrophied. Or yeah. Like, you know, I've lost... Lots of weight. Very because, shaky. Yeah. So the first time I got up, I got up and I stood up and I think I took one step, one step back and I laid down again and I spent the next three hours trembling with the adrenaline running through my body. It just my entire body shaking. Yeah. Jesus. Not going to help with that uh, weight loss as well no, if you're sitting there no. from trembling for three hours. Yeah. 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 And so then I, I, you know, then I could start, I was determined, you know, mm. I was really determined. Yeah. I knew I'd gotten lucky and I, I thought, you got to make this is you know it's almost it's, it's going to sound cliche but it's like a second chance it's yeah, like you got to get out there and make the most of it you know yeah so everybody loves a comeback that that afternoon sure. three hours later after i stopped trembling i got up again and i took you know enough steps to go to the door i had a, I had a walker i had a moon boot because i you know obviously my ankle they've operated my ankle again in the meantime to take all the metal out mm. and i had a moon, a moon boot a back brace and a walker um from memory to get just to get to the door and back but, you know, I took my first shower, which was incredible. Oh, and I then can imagine. Over the next few days, you know, I was getting up and steaming down the hallway. You know, I was, oh, I was awesome. very determined. Yep. And that, that process was assisted by the kinesiologist. So, he, he followed awesome. me up there. And from then on, you know, it was... Yeah, it was... But right into it, you know, mm. like you had the surgery. Yeah. And then you were doing things. Im- immediately. And that, that was the philosophy. Yep. You've... Spent a lot of time, not of your own cho- making, but yep. laying down, you need to get back into it. Yes. And I was overjoyed, to be honest. I, I can't tell you how great it was to, you know, there was this window that everyone had been looking out of for four weeks, five weeks. I'm like, what the bloody hell is out there? Yeah, <laughs> so right. I got to get up and have a look. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. So when you mention your 
injury to people, if it comes up, how do you think people react to it? Are people like, how are you standing? Or are they like, oh, I don't get it? Or I think typically it's, it's maybe something along the lines of, along the lines of but you're right now, you know, and right. it's like, you know, that's, that's an understandable reaction because people want to be reassured that, you know, it's all good. There, there, I mean, since then there have been a few things that have happened. So that metal that they put in my spine wasn't done particularly well. So I've had to come back to Australia and after four years of doing a rehab process with it in, eventually everyone just said, you got to take it out. You know, the top screws are coming loose. Yep. He's... They've come near a, a pretty major vein. We don't want that in there, basically. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, so the, my friends are aware that, you know, there's still like some, you know, my ankle, I've got pretty bad arthritis in my ankle, mm-hmm. so I can't run like I used to. I can't climb mountains like I used to. Mm-hmm. I can still do it, but then I, I the next day my ankle is pretty, yeah. So you still you still enjoy going out for hikes and things like yeah, that, abso- though? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, that's, you know, it's it's been nearly five years it's it's been five years of rehab of some description yes. it's it's not something that i've i've never gotten back to and said oh yeah i'm like i was but yep. you know the rehab process is what actually makes me feel good mm-hmm. and you know anytime when i'm in the gym i go oh that's right i feel so good and then you know when i life takes hold and you miss gym for a couple of weeks you go oh that's right that's what I feel like when I don't have that kind of fluidity in my muscles and, you know, yep. so. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Because you can relate it to such a poignant part, of, part in your life, mm. it's going to be so, you know, it's always going to be the forefront of your mind. Yeah. Because like, like I have a similar feeling, but it's just like in my head, I'm like, I just haven't been to the gym. Yeah. I haven't done any exercise. I got to get up and move, you know. Yeah. But I can't relate it to something like that, which must be so strong. Yeah, it is strong, but it does recede. Yeah. You know, it does recede. It's 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 always there. Like, you know, I guess you just kind of have this, like you said, an underlying awareness. And then when something raises it to the forefront, you go, oh, that's why that would be. But then right. you just, I just let it subside, you know. Like, mm. You know, generally during the average day, I will think about it. You know, yeah. I guarantee it. Yeah. But it's it's not something, it's not a constant refrain because that would drive anyone crazy, I think. Yeah, no, I I agree. Replaying some of the most troubled parts in your life is easy to do. Yeah, so. for sure. And, you know, when I came back, you know, I, you know, it took me a little while to be, feel comfortable in the car again. Yeah, you know, I, I yeah. When did you come back? Because I don't know if you said that already. No, so I, what happened was I, we had the surgery, the final surgery on my back. We had... 10 days more in the hospital doing rehab with them where you waited the outside and to, to take the, um, the, the staples out of my, the cuts in my back. So they did two probably 20 centimetre incisions to put this metal in. And then uh, they took that out. I went and stayed in the hotel for another 10 days to make sure that I was all good. And then I got a flight back to Australia, which was just amazing. But obviously, unfortunately, I had to fly first class because I couldn't sit up for longer than, you know, 20 30 minutes or not even that god there's no way i could have sat up for 20 30 minutes what was that like yeah it was pretty good yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't think it was worth paying seven thousand dollars um because that's apparently what people who fly first class pay they have Jeez. yeah and it's, it's you know it's a couple of hours of your life it's yeah. lunacy it's yeah but it was just critical Kristen had to fly first class with me as well my parents actually came had over to, to help out with everything yeah 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 um, oh good that yeah. was the other question I was going to ask is when did like when did your mum and dad oh, find yes. out like how significant things work yeah so about, uh, what happened 
you know, when it was just the ankle stuff, I said, don't worry about it. I'll get a pair of crutches and I'll fly home. I've got a sore back, but once I get over that, I'll need a couple of weeks to recuperate, but I'll just get on the plane and come home because the trip's yep. over. I knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was never getting going to get no, to Patagonia. Right, I was like, yeah. it's done. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they, I, I think I was able to hold them at bay while it was the ankle stuff. Mm. But as soon as we realized that I had a broken back, there was no stopping anyone. Kristen was flying back. They were flying back. God, get Kristen to tell you the story of the trip back from Europe to Chile. It was not easy sometimes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I will. It was, you know, multiple up. layovers, being robbed by a taxi guy, all oh sorts of stuff. God. Yeah. So All the classics, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then my parents came over as well. We all flew back to Australia together. I went back to Mission Beach and immediately I started, you know, the rehab process. Mm. And unfortunately... At that time, not anymore, the, the, the physio on Mission Beach now is exceptional. Mm. But at that time, the physio who was there was not amazing. He was a very old school practitioner whose idea of rehab was to basically put a TENS machine on. Um, mm. You know, the, the little electrical current yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And he said, oh, so. your back's a lot, a lot going on there. I probably won't even touch that. So he's just putting TENS on my yeah. ankle. Yeah, so TENS is just a... Um, it's like a, an electrical stimulation yeah. trying to get the muscle so engaged just, yeah just contracts the muscle turns yeah. it on and off doing a job the job of the nervous system yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's yeah. like a, the lazy man's way of trying to yeah rehab yeah. it's such <laughs> In an interesting way. just story if you can use that word because oh. the idea of having an injury overseas uh, people have a fear of that because yeah. of the unknown that comes yeah. with having that injury overseas yeah. and then you tell this story and there are all these like moments and, and areas of the story where you're like, yeah, that is off the cuff a little bit or not off the cuff, but like a little bit off kilter, if you mm. will. <laughs> and then, um, like you said, but if somebody walked past you in the street, there's no obvious sign of injury. Like you've gone through something like ex- extremely, like I guess chaotic mm. and while you're going through it, it has all the same signs of having an injury in a foreign country. Mm. And yet it's, it's come along relatively nicely in the, in yeah. the end if, if I can say oh, that yeah, tot- no and that's totally correct I'm as I, I think I said earlier I'm just so grateful mm. it's you know and it, it is one of those things like you know I do have you know a sore back and I have a sore ankle but it's one of those things you just manage and mm. I, I'm lucky that that's that's the kind of route I've gotten to go down you know and there's I'm sure a lot of other people out there who have hidden injuries that are not really apparent to the eye but or hidden you know um you're paid in pain or you know, yeah, chronic yeah. pain and stuff like that that, yeah. that they deal with. And I'm, I'm just very lucky in that I still get to do a lot of the things that I love even though, yeah. you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just, I'll, we'll, we'll probably have to wrap up there. There was one more question actually, which yeah, was like, go. what part of the trip, like, do you like, um, that like was cut short, like when your trip got cut short, what part of the trip do you miss the most? But clearly it's Patagonia. Patagonia. Oh, it's yeah. Patagonia. I still think about it all the time. It, you know, we traveled, I think something like 35,000 kilometers over land for every trip. So I worked it out, which is almost around the world once. And the whole point of that for me was to get to Patagonia and oh. I got stopped about 500 or 1,000 kilometers short or something like that. Oh, mate. But little choices. it's still out there. So yeah. Little choices. Huh? Yeah, little choices. There little you go. Choices. Exactly right. Well, we've got one more question for you. Uh, when you look at this photo, what do you see? I see a pair of guys who are having a great time. <laughs> they are out there doing an exciting thing. I think they're, uh, you know. <laughs> do they look like they're about to get married? 
Oh, I mean, look, they look like they've already been married, and that's okay. How many years? <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a. It almost looks like I'm thinking like a, a sitcom, you know? Oh, two yeah. guys just out there exactly. saving yeah. lives, <laughs> helping people get by. <laughs> <laughs> that's the yeah. kind of picture I'm seeing. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thanks, yeah. Callan. We thanks. play practitioners in a Chilean hospital, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's and your performance is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, to a T, to a T, you know, very forgetful. Uh, we went on strike for a while. All right, well, thank you so much for coming yeah, and thank sharing you. your story. It was amazing to hear. And Little Choices, I must say, is the perfect name. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank Cheers. you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Bee Stories, the Unaware podcast by Bee Physiology. Don't forget to like and subscribe on all of our socials. Check out the podcast and our other episodes. And if you like it, leave a comment. Let us know how much you love it.